Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathStoreProds.com anime and manga podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the middling taste of Diet Coke. Diet Coke. My grocery store was out of Pepsi. That's all I got. I'm dead. I'm, I'm... Birdie here. Yeah, I managed to chip all the ice away from my computer and find a Pepsi Max. Hi, guys. <laughs> so let's talk about Devil Man. Yeah. Just like, okay, yeah, so- like, yeah, we know the new season is fucking out there doing whatever. I've watched one thing from the new season because it's the only thing that fucking interested me. And then we have Devil Man. Yeah. And okay, just brief introduction. I kept insisting that the first anime show um, for the new season uh, that we watched, that we talk about together, that we both watched this, and despite all the delays, I kept insisting he watch this. And oh boy, am I glad I did! <laughs> it's a doozy of a thing. So, so, do we start by rapping or just going "What the fuck"? I feel like we start with some context. What context? Do you remember the first episode? <laughs> so, for those who don't know, Devilman Crybaby is a is the latest in is the latest fucking show based on the Gonagai manga Devilman. Yeah, which the original series was aired in 1972, ran for several seasons. Uh, more recently, there was a two part OVA in the early to mid in the mid 90s, which. <clears throat> Whereas the original Devilman anime, I looked at the is only goes into like the devil stuff in the context of like monsters for a superhero to fight. The '90s one goes super grim, dark, edge lord bullshit, and is kind of insufferably dull and hateful because of that. Yeah, Devil and Man, then you have this. Yeah, Devilman <laughs> Crybaby on Netflix is. A thing that exists. I'm, I'm saying this is both as a positive and a negative. Dead man. It is what it is. Yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing I actually yeah. like the most about it is that it is just unabashedly what it fucking is. Yeah. Okay, and the only other bit of context for anime fans that might be worth mentioning is that this is a Mas- Masaki y- Yuasa product. Uh, for those who care, uh, he. Most recently, he's well known for directing the bizarre ping pong the animation, and uh, in other news, he also produced uh, Flip Flappers with another <laughs> director, which is another batshit insane. It is what it is thing. Yeah. So this series follows Akira Fudo. He is kind of <laughs> yeah. He is a he's a crybaby. Like and to an absurd degree, like yeah, he's if he sees somebody sad, he starts crying. Yeah, even if even if they aren't like even if they aren't like you know outwardly sad, it's just like you know internal sadness. Yeah, then he just sees them and starts crying. Yeah, and then you have his best friend slash friendly psychopath, uh, Rio, who. We're first introduced to him complaining that he doesn't understand why Akira said that he gutted a dying dog with a box cutter. Yeah, you know. What kids do. <laughs> and then next time we see him, 
Okay, so you have to set... I'll try to set up this scene and you correct me if I'm making any mistakes. So, um, Akira's uh, roommate slash best friend, Miki, is accosted by some rappers... Yeah, and, and just and not, rap at her. And not just regular rappers, fucking freestyle rappers who walk around just fucking dropping fucking hot fire. Like, they literally just walk up to her and start rapping and then initiate a conversation like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Akira's Akira there. is in a boat somehow. Yeah, like he saw, like, I guess he followed her and somehow got into this boat. Not that it matters in 20 seconds because the moment he's seen, Rio drives up in his white white Lamborghini gets out, says, I need you now, Akira. Yeah. He's then like, pulls uh, out a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, pulls out a like a submachine gun when the rappers try to accost him and then doesn't doesn't kill them. I thought he might kill them considering Yeah, considering this fucking character no. and what we know about him so far of gutting animals. Yeah. And which is reinforced in five minutes later when he after not killing these rappers, just sinking them into the water uh, then uh, makes off with Akira to a re- to the the most ridiculous rave I've ever seen, where he immediately gets Akira drugged and then says, "You know, this party's not rad enough. I need to start stabbing people." You're missing some context here. Okay, um, so on the way to the party, on the way to this party, the Sabbath, right, yeah, as they call yeah. it, uh, 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 Rio starts just talking to Akira about how he went to South Africa. South America. South America. Yeah, South America. To, to go talk to a p- Russian professor. who was Yeah, stu- some guy named Fikira. Yeah, who was studying this ancient civilization. He then turns into a monster and sets himself on fire. Some, yet somehow after setting himself on fire, he weighs twice as much as he did when he was alive. Yeah. So, so Rio tells him, yo, they're demons. Demons exist. They've been around for, they've been around for longer than humans have, and they possess people. So... He takes him to the nightclub specifically to get proof that demons exist. And also somehow specifically to get him possessed by some very specific demon that I'm not sure how he knows about. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, you will get to that because just for. So Birdie's okay, up to episode, I, I haven't seen so as much of episodes, this as Dead Man. It is a 10 episode run of the show. Birdie's up to episode four. I'm up to episode eight. So I know a bit more than he does. Okay. And uh, so as this sweet rave turns into a demon summoning party where boobs start eating people and women's vaginas split into teeth. Yeah. You ever see that one music video where it's like a bunch of kids hanging out at a pool that all of a sudden some lady's vagina turns into a worm and eats a dude. Then some girl sees like fucking Cthulhu and her eyes explode. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine imagine that. Yeah, but anime. and then in the middle of this, Akira is trying to help Ryo, and then he just gets eaten by the demon Amon, I think is its name, yeah. and becomes Devil Man. At which point, he kills all the other demons, and might have killed some of the other humans that might have survived. It's hard to tell. Yeah, we don't really know <laughs> because, like, Akira blacks out, wakes up later, looking. More like a typical anime protagonist. Yeah, he's a foot and a half taller, has better hair, he's in better shape, he's got a fucking big dick. Yeah, to the point like, where I, they like point out his bulge. Not like, like not like they not like like metaphorically he has a big dick. No, like everyone points out, oh my god, his dick is huge. Yeah, I make <laughs> that joke all the time. This is the first time it's been like literal. Yeah, to the point where 
one of uh, his Miki. Uh, okay, so Miki and Akira are on the track team, and when he we first see him run, uh, like when he's still more just human, he's like you know kind of decently in shape guy. Not not great for a professional for a co- competitive sports team, but not terrible. When yeah. he comes back as Devil Man body Akira, not only does he run faster, he runs literally like a quadruped. <laughs> yeah, but he but he's he runs like a quadruped, but doesn't actually use his arms. Well, he uses his arms; it's just his arms never touch the ground. <laughs> so yeah, it just like, looks like his arms are moving like he's a quadruped running, but they're not actually touching the ground. So it's just this weird motion weird circular motion that they're constantly doing to like help him run somehow but it does yeah, as, it's as just, his body is like fucking parallel to the ground while his legs are in the fucking pinwheel thing <laughs> and everybody's like whoa he got good at running not like whoa he's on fucking meth you know, some people say he must be taking drugs some people did say that but and obviously you would kind of have to assume that given the physical changes he went through in 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's like he just fucking took PCP mixed with human growth hormone. Yeah. And on and, and top of, and, you know, demon thing, he's hungry in both senses of the word. Word. Both, both eating literally everything in sight and also impossibly horny. Although, and I wonder if this is Iwasa's thing or not, because I remember from the Grim Dark Edgelord thing... That from the nineties, that when he was being sexually forward, he was tended to be a lot more rapey. <laughs> yeah, in this, in this, they're trying to like make him very much. He like, is still like a horny, good person not, doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, like horny, but not depraved. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like one one scene that we get is he ends up having a wet dream about fucking his childhood friend slash roommate slash kind of sister. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't ever make moves on her. No. Not even when she's possessed by a, a gel monster that throws her naked body at him. Yeah. And so when he wakes up, uh, remember those scenes in Scary Movie where Anna Ferris is like jerking a dude off and then he fucking just like plasters a wall? Yeah. Yeah, that happened. I, okay. I, I remember them talking about that, but okay. okay yeah. Yeah, that's straight up happening. He just like wakes up. He like has his dream. He's fucking, he's fucking Mickey. He wakes up and then some semen drops from the ceiling onto his hand. Yeah. He then plugs his nose and the scene oh. changes. Yeah. Well, considering uh, one of the, what, one of the ending scenes of one of the earlier episodes was the harpy demon Celine fingering herself before turning into the full harpy demon. I kind of figured that was and that she was like fingering herself at the thought of fucking Amon. Yep. That I was like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a few less limbs when they do it. Yeah. Because and then they're struck by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz the other demons. It is it is a ride. It is a trip. Yeah, okay, this this thing is okay, when I when I told Dead Man I would like him to watch this, the way I described Devil Man up to this point and considering who was directing it, uh what it would end up being is that it would be simultaneously batshit insane 
and hate humanity hate humanity with a fiery passion. I will say this in its in defense of it, it definitely tones down the misanthropy of other versions of Devil Man, which Oh honey. No, I, I know where it I've heard where it goes. And given like Rio's character arc, from what I know of other versions of the story, I know it has to go there, but just from what little I've seen so far, it's already much better than previous versions. It went there but, in the course of a couple of weeks. Well, I knew it was going to go there, but it, it, let me put it this way, Dead Man. The fact that there was even a moment of light in this at all already makes this a better adaptation than the previous one. Yeah, and actually, like, Devil Man, uh, Akira himself is actually still, like, even with all this horrible shit happening around him, he's still like, humans ain't that fucking weak. We can still fucking come back. We're good people, I think. Yeah, and, and that's, I guess, that's in every version of Devil Man, that's, like, the core dynamic that Ryo is gifted with all, like, intelligence, armaments, uh, and maybe not physicality, because he's like, humans should never attempt to better themselves physically because they'll never be as good as animals. Yeah. I think that's literally a line he has in the first episode. Yeah, that is his whole whole thing. It's like, hey, why do humans do anything? We naturally can't meet animals, so let's just fucking get shit. Yeah. Whereas Akira... Is physically weaker, but has a, the whole point of di- the idea of the Devil Man is that he has such a strong willpower and empathy and compassion that he o- that he's not overwhelmed by the baser, violent, animalistic urges of the devil. And so that the the devil with a human heart concept. Yeah, and there's more and than one. That, and and that and that dynamic works mostly pretty well. It's what you want from this from this kind of story. It's just. I, I got so sick of Rio. In every single version of this, I always get sick of Rio because I hate the nihilistic misanthrope argument that always comes up in these kinds of stories. And particularly with Rio, like, considering, like, he gets Rio, the whole. I, I, I applaud Yuasa for trying to address this, but it, a core flaw of the original Devil Man story is that Rio turns wants Akira turned into a demon for the purpose of killing other demons but then comes to the conclusion that demons are a natural part of life that is like man's natural predator <laughs> like does it not go there in the ver- cuz again I have not as far along in crybaby as you are is that not his exact mo- mindset in this or? uh no in episode 7 and 8 um and episode 8 I believe especially I'm only halfway through it right now, but Rio seems to not know what he's doing. So in episode six, uh, I believe they a group of demons who had taken over a naval fleet of the U.S. military launch a sure. launch a missile at I believe Russia, but then as the missile is flying toward them, a mandala. A big ring of light with some fucking patterns around the edge of it begins spreading out. It eats the missile and the fleet. And as Ryo is seeing this, he begins screaming and kind of collapses on the ground. He, he then like, like, up till now, things are going smoothly. And then he actually questions whether or not things are going smoothly because he doesn't know what that means for, in this context. Because he doesn't actually, he doesn't even know why he's doing the things. Like, like in the beginning when he actually calls out, I'm on, that's Ryo now. Because that's Akira now. Rio's like, 
how did I know who Amon was? Okay, so presumably in one of the last episodes, they'll fill in those blanks for both of us. Because I'm, I'm just going to say it, Deadman. I want us both to talk about this again once we're both done with it. Oh, absolutely. This, this needs to be something that we come back and just like retro, like retrospect. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the kind of insane I come to anime for. Absolutely. This is fucking near peak anime. <laughs> yeah. And it, which is weird considering the dire- the director Masaki Iwasa got into an argument with a critic who said that this was too like subgenre anime e and not enough otaku anime. Oh and fuck I'm like, that what guy! The hell does that even mean? You fucking weird ass! You're one of those assholes who probably argues about when they change the race of a comic character. <sighs> but I will say I I don't okay so I'm I. I don't know how many people are in the middle on this. I feel like those people are just not heard as much. But th- this is one of those shows where all the stuff I hear on it is either it's god-level anime, greatest anime, possible best anime of the year, or it's one of the worst pieces of shit ever. It's so dull, nihilistic, and badly animated. And I can make arguments for it being both good, and well, and badly animated. Oh, yeah. like it, it, this, th- this thing has its moments of like really good... Character design, really good monster design, some really interesting fight scenes and choreography, and the backgrounds usually look pretty fucking great. It's just like character stuff is – it wavers between kind of flat and in, uninteresting, well do, well drawn and animated, and like a fucking Looney Tune. Yeah, like full-on stick figures occasionally with the more normal stuff. Yeah, and it I, is weird bit- as hell. And some of it is clearly stylistic choice, but some of it I think is just – trying to hide faults in the animation and the it's it's really hard to hide the faults in the animation when the stuff that's working well is so flowing and clearly intentional and so you can just see the moments where yeah that guy's got no joints at all yeah <laughs> and speaking of actually critics and flowing two things I want to bring up uh so I wanted to see what other people were thinking about this before we actually got into talking about it Okay. So, went over to, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, as one is wants to do for anime. Yeah. Uh, so, so I have a question, too. Did you watch this subtitled? Because I, I didn't watch the dub for this. I know they have the dub out, but I didn't watch yeah, the dub. Yeah, I watched the... I watched... When, when I started the first episode, it started out dubbed, so I heard the first line dubbed, then immediately switched to sub. Yeah. That's what I did, too. But yeah, so, as it is, audience score, average across it, round of four out of five for most people... Out of 150 review, out of 150 user ratings, 85 percent of the people who reviewed it liked it. And for the critic reviews, there are four current critic reviews. Three of them are positive. One of them is negative, and the negative one, I don't know what this person was thinking. So the negative one is from Common Sense Media. Two out of five. Ultra violent animated series is way too intense for kids. Okay, yeah, that person was just confused as to what this is. <clears throat> that, that's one of those people who thinks that all animation must be for children, and that hasn't been true for decades, so screw that person. But, like... <laughs> oh, and? And? they Okay, so actually, apparently, common sense media is something for, like, parents and educators and advocates or whatever that, specific, that specifically looks at shit for fucking... Like, that, actually, that specifically looks at things... From a point of view of, I guess, like, 
you know, hey, is this good for kids or whatever? Because they have fucking composite scores based on fucking based on like individual things like fucking positive messages. Which they say, positive messages are few and far between in this violent series where the good guys use brutal force to fight demons and most people are more or less collateral damage with no thought given to the safety and comfort of individuals in a high-level battle waged on behalf of humanity. My God, this is incredible. Yeah, I... Just the most fucking out-of-goddamn-touch fucking rating. Yeah, here's the thing. Those kinds of uh, those kinds of negative reviews, I don't I don't like because they are essentially just saying this is not what I wanted it to be, so it sucks. And then and then there's a fucking user review that just says, "Please stop." <laughs> yeah, just you guys need to stop. There are going to be mature anime everywhere, and you need to calm down. Yeah, there are but, more like, stuff I like felt- a Serbian live action exploitation movie. Yeah, but. <laughs> But even but in the context of what it is, I still think some elements of it don't work as well as they intended. Yeah. Like, like I still can't get a handle on Ryo as a character. Like, if he's supposed to be somewhat relatable or you're supposed to just flat out hate him, I don't... Maybe I that's going to require... I think that thing is intentional. I think, it's, I think they're, like, banking on when you get to the end, everything will make sense for him. Yeah, which I'm worried about because the one consistent thing I've seen with a lot of people who liked the show overall said that they hated the ending, so I'm a little scared. But Yeah. My main thing is I wanna know why the fuck it takes it takes fucking Akira seven out of ten episodes to finally realize that Rio was kind of a dick. Okay, my impression of that is that he kept giving him too many chances. Cause like there was the time where Rio tried to shoot his best friend slash love interest in the head. There was the time he blew up an old lady for, but essentially tricked an old lady into blowing herself up. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's the time, the, the time at the beginning when he stabbed a whole bunch of people to create a demon seance so that he could get his friend possessed. I, I think that's like the dynamic they're going for where because Akira is so compassionate and so empathetic and so good as a person. He can't find it in himself to just toss Ryo away, which a nor a more normal person would, because they're like, "Dude, you're insane. I can't have you in my life." <laughs> but like, like not even just like tossing him away. Just like it's like there are points where he will try to murder somebody. Then next episode, Re- uh, fucking Akira is hanging out with Ryo like nothing happened. Yeah, that's a tone thing that. Yeah, it's it's a similar kind of thing, the problem that I had with, like, fucking Mirai Nikki. Well, Mirai Nikki's way worse about that. Oh, no, Mi- Mirai Nikki is fucking garbage about a lot of shit. But the main thing I had problem with that is that the main character seemed to have, like, it either reset itself or the main character just had, like, some weird fucking, yeah, like, I, 50 I, first I, I, date style fucking retrograde amnesia. I will agree with you that there often feels like there's not sufficient, like emotional consequences for Ryo's actions between him and Akira. Which, yeah, like, even if, like, even, even if he is still hanging out with them for the purpose of the story, have him be a bit more apprehensive. Have him be, like, a bit more of just, like, hey, Ryo, you're kind of fucking crazy. Have him, like, actually respond to that stuff beyond yeah. the moment. Well, the problem with that is, and I noticed this when I was watching just the first few episodes, 
um, you run into the issue that I'm not sure if you how much Iwasa wants us to be emotionally invested in the story because he keeps digressing into weirdness for weirdness's sake. Yeah, actually, that reminds me. Another thing I want to talk about with the rappers. Yeah, which is just a running thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the rappers are regularly recurring characters who are actually now becoming semi-related to the plot. Yeah, just, just every episode, it'll just be like, Devil Man is happening, and all of a sudden, just, just a fucking beatbox, beatboxing boy comes back in, and they just start fucking dropping bars. And yeah. they're not terrible. No, they're not terrible raps, it's just... Why? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, but just like like the flow that they got, the fucking what shit they're speaking about, that is actually some solid rap that actually is related to what is happening. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not but it out makes of no goddamn it's, sense. It's, it's not okay, I'll, it, tonally it doesn't feel out of place narratively. It feels out of place. Yeah, it's like it's like Yuasa just started getting into the fucking underground hip hop scene in yeah. Japan and is like, "Yo, we need to incorporate this." Yeah, or along the same tone why did the original Devilman TV series exist in this universe? <laughs> That's another weird goddamn thing. This series is meta. For no purpose. Like when he's like when fucking Rio names him Devilman, <clears throat> he then it then fucking cuts back to uh Akira's house where Miki's little brother is look is going on the fucking computer and looking up Rio's fucking search history, looking up Akira's search history, and Akira looked up the Devil Man intro. Yeah, and then like, and if it was just that one time, that'd be one thing. But like, then in a later episode, he dresses up the cat like Devil Man, and there's like a conversation between the two of them about how that show was kind of cool. And I'm like, what's the point of this? Yeah, and it keeps going like even beyond that. There's a, there's a fucking bit where, uh, like, the news is happening, and everybody's fucking talking, and it's like, oh, Devilman, you don't like the TV show? Or or there's a live stream that's happening where a demon is, like, destroying a fucking sports stadium. And some of the comments are like, whoa, it's like that Devilman show. Just because. Just it has served no purpose. It's not like the fucking characters are like, hey, you know, I'm actually have the same name as the main character from that, so I might as well call myself Devilman. It just is there. And nobody cares. Yeah, that, that's again what I was saying before. It, as competent as Yuasa is at telling a mostly straightforward dramatic narrative with his weird twinges, it does feel like he occasionally does go off on weird digressions for weird sake that I wish he kept to a either kept to a minimum or just found a way to better integrate into the story because he integrated some weird ass shit into the story so it's not beyond me that these other elements could fit into a story he just didn't didn't (laughs) yeah and getting back to that fucking initial rave that turns akira into devil man that might be my favorite edit in anime ever (laughs) because they're sitting outside the door um Akira is asking Ryo, like, hey, why did you bring me in on this? What's going on? And Ryo says, hey, you're the only person I could trust. I need you with me on this. And so Akira's like, fucking yeah, dog, let's do this. Let's do this, bro. So they go inside, and the first thing we see is a neon wireframe sculpture that I think is Baphomet. The weird goat demon man. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then hard cut to twerking. All while music is playing that sounds like what if Ramstein was on Zoloft. I just, I, and they keep going back to that. They fucking cycle that goddamn twerking footage a lot. Yeah. And it's, and like all the weird colors and the, just the random stuff going on in the background that must have, that a lesser animator wouldn't have even bothered to animate. And he just. Yeah, just let's go. Let's fucking do this, dog. You guys like, don't need to it, sleep, right? Like, it could, like, the, like the Bacchanalia where Amon is summoned is a part of every version of this story, which is weird because the 70s version aired on TV. <laughs> that must have been weird for Japan in the 70s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Granted, uh... Godzilla movies in the 70s were rated G and they involved getting shot in the neck and blood spurting out in like a geyser, so. Yeah, you know, for kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, freaking um, Ralph Bakshi movies were rated PG. <laughs> That's kind <laughs> of insane to me. <laughs> and speaking of things that would be kind of weird to show on Japanese TV... There's just straight up like gay sex. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird to say. But Devil Man is one of the is one of like these new this new fucking wave of like anime shit where they're taking all like the super niche Fujoshi weird shit out of like homosexual relationships and just making it regular stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, because there's a character in this who was gay who didn't need to be. Like, his his whole character thing is that his boyfriend, who was a childhood friend of his, died when he became the fucking demon person. And he couldn't deal with it. And then Akira found him and tried to help him out because he's just such a good guy. He didn't need to be gay. They just it they just made him gay. And it's, that, it's like a totally regular thing. And then him fucking somebody is animated the same way somebody's fucking somebody else. It is weirdly just kind of okay with that, which I did not expect from this. Yeah, but I feel like in that case, the director, I'll give the director this, like that he just said, cool, whatever, I'll do it. <clears throat> that like, it didn't really have any effect on anything. Well, not, well, it had an effect in like narrative sense, but not like it, they didn't stop to make it a point. Yeah. Him, him being gay is kind of secondary to his character. Yeah. Which is, if you're going to do it, unless the story is specifically about him being gay, that's how you fucking do it. Yeah. Never in my life would I have thought. I'd be having a conversation about fucking homosexual representation in Japanese media from an adaptation of a Gona Guy series from the dude who made Ping Pong the animation. Yep. And if this is the start of all of the Gona Guy adaptations for this year, I think we're in for a year of weird shit. Oh, yeah. A weird shit that will probably be pretty all right. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll fucking see, I guess. Because, like, I mean, of the three franchises that are being remade this or, like, having new franchise series entries this year, Devilman was always my least favorite. 
because like I it, Mazinger Z was just bland, so I never hate where I never had as much distaste for it as I had for Devil Man and its weird misanthropy. Like people call it misogynist. I can't really call it misogynist. It just seems to hate people, so I can't really call it specifically yeah. misogynist. You can't be misogynist. But, you can't be a misogynist when you hate everybody. Yeah. Um. But but oh, and even Cutie Honey, which should be misogynist, I don't think it is because the female character, yeah, she gets naked occasionally, but she is always like in control of herself and never like controlled by any man at all even her father so i'm like yeah that's not that misogynist either yeah i mean it shows boobs and all but considering the the nature of what the guy was going for in the original version it's not all that weird but like i I really am looking forward i really want to watch some sort of cutie honey thing with you because i think you would actually enjoy it since you're such a fan of power rangers (laughs) (laughs) it's just it makes Sentai seem less it's less goofy by comparison. That's quite a claim. <laughs> <sighs> Considering the cheeseburger cowboy ranger. Yep. But in the first episode of the last Cutie Honey anime, uh, <laughs> she um, stopped a bank robbery of clone of clone thieves. By becoming a, by impersonating a a not a policewoman a uh, newspaper a news a newswoman before turning into a seventies uh, guitar player. <laughs> Cause sure, <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> hey, the samurai that, uh, had, a, had an electric guitar. Yeah. So, are you glad you watched this? Kinda. <laughs> like I've actually fallen off anime recently. Yeah, no, I mean, like this and one other thing is the only like actual animated series that I've watched in earnest in months. Okay, well that's not true for me. I granted I had to go back and watch an old favorite of mine which was animated by Studio Bones. So, you know, it looked good even years later, but uh but no, I, I will admit this was this was an anime that I enjoy watching, want to watch more of, and enjoy talking about. If that makes yeah. any sense. Oh no, totally. This is this is something that is real good fucking discussion material. Just because there's so fucking much happening and it's all so goddamn weird. Yeah, and neither of us are done with it yet. So, viewers, I hope you're up for at least one more round of this because Jesus Christ. Next episode, we finish this shit. We finishing this shit, dog. And that also, before next episode, I also have to watch the Godzilla anime, so that's going to be interesting. (laughs) But yeah, um, I think I can at least say you should watch it to figure out what you feel. Yeah. (laughs) Because people are going to be talking about this all year. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So, that's for the big thing. Yep. So, Bernie, what else have you got? Okay, uh, so start with stick with uh, new anime or just do whatever. Whatever, fuck it. Okay, well, something I have very little say about first. Bose beats. <laughs> right. 
Oh, that title's terrible. Did you read this? I read the first three pages. <laughs> you get the point then, basically. Yeah, I read the first three pages and I was like, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I've reread all of One Piece. <laughs> I'm on chapter 300 of my reread. I'm yeah, I don't almost halfway kind of there. I have to read three to five new books every week, so that's not going to happen for... <laughs> I'm not going to be rereading entire manga for a while. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, Bo's Beats is another is a very Japanese anime idea where the monks just say, fuck it, I will, I will bless the shit out of this minigun. Yeah, naturally, that's... You know, just fucking go up there, say a prayer to Buddha or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're fucking you're shooting these ghosts with the power of Buddha. Yeah, and like the I don't know, like okay, so this first the chapter, Dalai Lama's got a samurai sword. Everything's fucking crazy. Yeah, this first chapter is like sixty pages. Uh, our main character is Tam- his name is Tamaki, I think, uh, he, and. It do, his name doesn't really matter until the very end because at the, at we first see him, he's washed away somewhere into the mountains, uh, has no memory of who he was before he got there, and something will not something he calls the specter will not let him leave, so he's raised by wolves. What? Wolves found him and raised him. Because he couldn't leave where? He was in the mountains, uh, it appears to be the mountains around the base of Mount Fuji, you know, the infamous suicide forest. Oh! The famous YouTube vlog location. Yes, okay. Yeah, I was going to try to avoid mentioning that, given... You brought it up. Yeah, but I can bring up that it's called the suicide forest without having to mention some asshole saying, Dude, I'm filming my vlog and there's someone hanging dead behind me. Eh. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so several years pass, and a monk with a heavy suitcase comes into the woods, uh, finds Tamaki, uh, is like, dude, why the fuck is you, are you hanging out with wolves? <laughs> hey, and don't be like, rude, my that's my now. sister I'm over kidding. there. Yeah, no, no, actually, that's my brother, and that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, after a meaningless conversation, well, not meaningless, a mostly overlong conversation where Tamaki just says, I have no memory of who I am, and I don't really want to go back to civilization. I'll just take care of the specter, then just survey these woods. Uh, the, ine- the inevitable happens that the specter is a form of demon, a tree demon of some kind, that kills the mama wolf and is, tr- is about to eat Tamaki when... The monk comes in and lights him up with the power of God, yo. <laughs> Word. And then has to put a seal on Tamaki because somehow Tamaki's human soul is like a demon soul because it appears to eat souls around him. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, that's that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's. That's a power. What does that actually entail? What do you mean? Like, what does it look like? Or no, no, like a. What does that actually do? 
B, what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? And C, what does that result in? Um, what it means, I don't know. What it results in is that if this power, like he, his powers are sealed immediately. So I don't know when, if at any point, the writer is going to get back to him using that power. But he absorbs the souls and spiritual energy of beings around him. If it's left unfiltered, so he technically absorbs the soul of his of the wolf mom he was hanging out with before his powers are sealed. So now her spirit wanders with him. So that's and, it. He, he, he eats her soul, and she he eats her soul, and then she and then he gets a ghost wolf buddy. Yes, and because of his ability to eat souls, he has tremendous spiritual energy. So he's perfect for becoming a monk. Yeah, I eat souls, so give me a pistol. Let's go do the work of fucking God. Eh. And it just ends with him one-offing a demon at an airport because he's sent to Tokyo. So, yeah, what it's uh, <laughs> I have trouble talking about this because it's just so bland and not nothing. So I just I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it looks fine. It's mostly kind of bland. It's like a less interesting version of uh, what's the series? Blue Exorcist. Yeah, I was, I was trying to work a Blue Exorcist joke into that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. like, once you said seal his powers away, I was going to go like, oh, until he gets a fucking sword that when he pulls it out, you know, activates his demon heart. Yeah. But yeah, that's when he eats a soul, he releases really the blue flame of Satan. Yeah. But yeah, that's not really worth talking anymore about, so I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way. Uh, another thing that I enjoyed more, but I also don't have a whole lot to say about, how to keep a mummy. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's another new, it's a new anime from this season. Uh, this guy who lives at home, uh, whose parents are abroad, his dad's a, a kooky archaeologist, he just sends him a mummy in a tomb to take care of. Uh, twist being that the mummy is six inches tall. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna ask like, how do you just like, hey, I'm hey, I'm from this fucking archaeological thing. I'm gonna ship this ancient sarcophagus to my kid. He doesn't ship an ancient sarcophagus. He just ships a a random coffin that he sticks the the mummy in. Like a real size coffin or a baby coffin? Like real size coffin, because you know they want to set up for that that twist that the thing is six inches tall. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the rest of the the thing the, they of course they make the thing as cute as can be. Uh, He's like Baymax it, with lines on him. Yeah. It. it <laughs> It can't talk, but it seems cognizant and sapient to the point where we can sometimes see its thoughts play out, even though it doesn't say anything. Uh, it gets into a barking match with the family dog. <sighs> and the rest of the episode is just uh, the main character trying to figure out how to take care of this mummy. Like, what it eats, how to... like. The appropriate amount of water so that it doesn't either desiccate or 
bloat like a water balloon. This seems like the kind of thing that I could watch an episode of, go, oh, that was cute slash funny, and then never watch again. Yeah, that's about right. That's why I said I have don't have that much to say about this, because, like, maybe there's more characterization type stuff later on, but it's just, like, it's most... The first episode is mostly nothing. <laughs> so... Mm. Cute enough, not bad, just not worth really going back to, really. Yeah. All right, so moving on to something I have more to say about, but I'm more, I guess, more annoyed at. Darling in the Franks. Yes, I also watched this. Uh... <laughs> so... So what do you guys think about birds? For those who don't know, this is a new Studio Trigger series, which is why Dead Man watched it, I'm assuming. Yeah, it is um, a joint production from Studio Trigger and A1. And for those of you who don't know history, the 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 directors at Trigger are a lot of former Gynax alums. Yeah. And um, this is the first Trigger series that I thought, uh, why did you have to be so Gynax? <laughs> Because there are shots that are just straight up Ava, and I'm like, oh god, no, don't, don't do Ava. Like even the basic premise of in- intolerantly cold, mean uh, adults who compel children to pilot dangerous machines against evil monsters for the sake of finding a place in this world. Like aside from the central gimmick of. This these robots requiring a man and a woman to operate properly as a as a unit, and so they're like trained in pairs for that purpose. It all feels too Ava to me. Yeah, they wore they wore wear plug suits. Yep, they wear plug suits. The cockpits of the robots look disturbingly like the like the plugs from a from the Ava from the Ava units. Uh, and it's all some metaphor main, for fucking. Yeah. The main character is even told you're always running away from everything. I was like, "Oh no, don't 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 make him Shinji. Don't make him Shinji." <laughs> uh, I'm hoping they don't. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that like the actually the thing is a he is yeah. actually a person. Yeah, I hope and cuz like there are moments where he's doesn't doesn't says things that don't feel very um don't feel as Shinji as they could be and also it would be hard for this series to have the tone of Ava and its characters, considering how absurdly ridiculous the main robots look. Oh, yeah. Like, th- there is a very audible thunk when the animation switches over from, oh, yeah, there's like A1 to, oh, trigger, okay. Yeah. Like, and so- even within, even with the transition from trigger to A1, there's an even more audible thunk from the more beast-like base form of the robot when it's just... Horn Girl, who I can't remember what her name is. Uh, I think they just call her Zero Two. Yeah, Zero Two. Uh, uh, when she, when she, like her, she overpowers or like either emotionally or physically her her male partner. So it just the robot just becomes beast like. But the moment that she and main character dude get in sync, it becomes. A robot with a literal human face and boobs. Yeah, like straight up, this is some. Um, 
this the design of this person would not be out of place in fucking Kill a Kill. Yeah, Kill a Kill or another series with absurdly ridiculous robot designs that was not done by Trigger. I don't know if you ever saw this. Um, uh, Star, uh, Star Driver. Never seen Star Driver. Yeah, well, the whole point of that series was um, that these people have these robots, but they can only fight in a separate um, extra-dimensional space that's accessible from the base of the island. And the main character's robot looks like one of the three, like one of the three musketeers. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest kind of look more traditional anime robots, except he's is just fabulous. <laughs> yeah. So when I initially started watching this, I my main problem is that they do a lot of front loading without actually explaining anything. Yeah, no, it's a lot of it's 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 the same problem Ava had where the first episode is exposition heavy as hell, but you have no idea what's going on, why or why I should care. No, that's the thing. This, it wasn't exposition heavy. It didn't explain almost anything. Well, you know, until halfway you through, when it explained what one of the terms they were using was. Well, that's what I meant. Um, you can have exposition, but the expo- but and have the exposition not explain the things you want explained. Like it tell it tells you things that are important for understanding the world, but they don't explain why those things are important for understanding the world. So it's just a series of facts that have not congealed into a better picture yet. Yeah, like the only reason I was able to like kind of piece together what was going on was because I read the description of the fucking show. Yeah, and like because if usually... we didn't, it starts out with a girl in an, in a fucking airplane, whatever thing, dressed up like one of the characters, like literally one of the characters from Kill a Kill, the fucking band leader. She's flying over. There's a dude who's like really fucked up, and she's like, "I hope I find a partner at this plantation." And then she flies into a fucking ma- like flies into a fucking mechanical boob that's in the middle of the fucking Death Valley or something. And this this whole like because uh, so apparently the world is just living in these plantations now, where just like some fucking chunk of the plantation, some fucking thing happened, and humanity's living in plantations, which the plantations are one tenth small biome forest kind of thing. And nine-tenths robot storage and hologram for old white people. Who are all dressed up like... Who are all dressed up like techno-popes and Court of the Owls. Yeah. And, like, it looks like most of the human... The adults that were seen at, like, the graduation ceremony for all the kids are not even actually there. They're just holograms. It's all holograms. It is this fucking giant, like, fucking almost acres-wide goddamn fucking hall for, like, 25 people who aren't there. Yeah. And and also, and this is another thing that felt very Ava, killing that girl at the beginning left no impact on me at all, and it just kind of She wasn't a person. Like, but they tried to set her up enough to make her a person to where her death would mean something. I'm like, I don't know this bitch. I don't care. Yeah, it's like, hey, you like, hey, you like this guy, okay? Th- that tells us nothing because we barely know anything about him. Yeah. So if we were supposed to care, no, she just got fridged really hard. Yep. And then he's like, oh, I think I'll go back and team up with the demon lady to go pilot the big fuckbot. Yeah. 
And okay, and hopefully once it gets past those bad teething, tr- teething troubles it had with its start, maybe it will be better because I, after last year's runaway success with, um, God damn it, uh, Little Witch Academia, I am willing to give Trigger a lot of credit and yeah. give them a lot of benefit of a doubt. And hell, but A1, I, like even though even though A1 has had some fucking... Yeah, even if A1 is responsible for SAO's continued existence, I will not hold that against them. <laughs> no, like they still made fucking Blue Exorcist, which is good. They made the Persona anime. Yeah, no, they could make good anime. They're, they're a it's solid just... studio. It's just they have a lot of missteps because they make fucking all kinds of shit. Yeah. Trigger has less of a hit-miss ratio because they just only produce their own shit. Yeah. Except for Inferno Cop and Ninja Slayer. But those those are just fucking... Those are kind of allowed to do whatever. To, yeah, I don't know how you would... Even by anime and manga standards, I don't know how you would classify Ninja Slayer. <laughs> art. Ninja Slayer is 100% pure art. Yeah, that shit belongs debatable. in a museum. <laughs> shit belongs in a museum. Yeah, it's Studio Ghibli and then a single fucking screen showing off the entirety of Ninja Slayer from animation on loop forever. Yeah, wouldn't be the weirdest thing I'd seen in anime, uh, seen in a museum. <laughs> and the next to that, next to that, a six-inch tall mummy. But yeah, uh, not the greatest start to a series. It's not terrible. It's just. It's okay. Yeah, it's not... It, and a lot of Trigger series had teething problems. Like, I've, I've, even uh, Little Witch Academia was not all that great at the start. It got much better once it got itself rolling, but... Yeah, it... Next episode is probably going to be where we get where we actually get, like, the meat of, okay, what the fuck is happening and who are you people? Yeah. Which I'm down for. I want to know why a giant battleship slash robot robot slash dinosaur robot maybe was living under the ground waiting to attack this fucking boob. Yeah, me too. Why was why was a big black and blue robot and a why was why was a tiny red why was a tiny white red and fucking orange robot classified as the same species as the giant fucking battleship robot? Was it a robot yeah. even? I don't know. Is this Horizon Zero Dawn, but, like, anime? Have you played that game? Yeah, that's it's, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. A, uh, the main lead, Aloy, being the best part of the thing. but Yeah, they, they did a really good job of introducing that world through just her entire personal story. Yeah, and her general sassiness. Yeah. Ashley Birch, man, she's great. Yeah, between her and... Have you watched OKKO? OK uh, I have not gotten a chance to yet. Yeah, she plays one of the three main characters on that, and apparently her best her best um, emotional snake is is snide cattiness. That's <laughs> <sighs> uh, enough about that then. Drawing in the Franks, we'll let you know. Yeah, too early to tell. All right, so moving on to another thing. Um, this one is weird. I don't like this as much as Korra does, but there's no denying it's it's stupid, weird decisions. Merchen Mädchen. You said it because there are umlauts. Yes, and because it's German words. 
which and I had to put into the article because Cora couldn't figure out how to put umlauts in. Yeah, well, it's not exactly easy on a computer. <laughs> you find a let, you find a word, you find a fucking document that has an umlaut in it, copy and paste. No, but anyway, um, this series has okay. It's a sign of how bad of a first note this goes. The intro to this series is so bad that you can't find it on YouTube. <laughs> wow. Like, I literally tried to look it up before the series start, before we started recording, just so I could show you how bad it was. I couldn't find it. That is impressive. <laughs> like, really impressive. Yeah. But, and okay, and the reason why I, it's, Core and I consider it probably one of the worst open uh, opening credit sequences for any series we've seen in a long time is that it's this wonderful combination of of ear scrapingly annoying but also giving you absolutely nothing to go on as to what the series will be like okay because it's nothing but static images and clips from the episode you're about to watch and like still frames of characters without explaining who these characters are <laughs> Like, they will literally go in, zoom in, freeze frame on a character like they like you would in a seat in a bit where you would then... Like, uh, do you remember the Bacchano opening? Uh, yeah. Where they would, like, freeze frame for a moment just to tell you who this character is, even if they don't tell you what kind of person they are yet, although you can sometimes tell from the opening. Yeah, like, Bacchano was very much... It fucking just is... It did a really good job of, like, giving a lot of personality just through, like, a couple seconds of them moving. Yeah, uh, this would be that if they took out all the personality and the descriptors of the characters. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So our main character, uh, I think her name is Hazuki. Um, Korra, I think, liked her a little bit more than I did. The best way I could think to describe her would be, what if Belle was a shy, klutzy moron? Okay. Because all we know about her is that her mother died, uh, her father remarried, so she has a stepsister and a stepmom who she is so scared to even say anything to, she just immediately starts apologizing, lowers her head, and refuses to look at them, even if she they're trying to be helpful. And pretty much any social situation, that's her response. And the only time she's ever engaged with the world is when she reads books. Sounds like a great protagonist. Yeah, and... Cora made the reference that um, maybe the idea of her escaping from reality through these books was a was like a potential character arc for her to go through. And considering the second half of this story is all about how she randomly ends up with a magical tome that allows her to go to a school for witches in another dimension. What it just made me think, <sighs> you've seen the ever never-ending story, haven't you? Yep. It made me think of that, but not as good. <laughs> because, because 
you know how like the first few times that uh what I can't remember what uh the bo- Bastion, Bastion read the book uh all this cool magical stuff with weird image with interesting images cool creatures and a engaging plot was going on as he was getting into the story yeah all that happens here is she shows up in the magical dimension with her book uh enters the school meets someone who thinks she's an intruder who chases her around the the campus until she in, randomly ends up at a Japanese hot spring where it turns where this the innkeeper is explaining is asking her questions about how she got here and what she is at which point said bully from before shows up and starts attacking her while she's in the hot tub and she runs out and finds her clothes are gone so she just runs around with the book covering her naughty bits ugh just ugh and it ends with her figuring out that she has some sort of magical ability because the we briefly see the book magical book spawning clothes for her <laughs> and that's it oh that's the first episode wow that's nothing yep like it's not terrible its problems are really readily apparent it could be that once it, it this has even worse teething troubles than um, some of the other series we've talked about before. Like this is one of the worst first impressions I've gotten from a series in a long time. <laughs> and like I, I I'm not even sure. Like Cora ca- called me after he watched it and was writing his review and said, "Birdie, I need you to watch this. I need to talk about this with someone." And I got to the end of it, I was like, "Dude, there's not much to talk about. It's just flawed and boring." <laughs> And kind of dumb. <laughs> like, I do mostly stick with what Bennett the Sage calls the three steps of, of quote-unquote, of really bad media. It has to be boring, annoying, and dumb for it all to be, for it to be completely bad. This is just two out of the three so far. But... And hey, as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. But... Given what's happened so far, I can easily see it getting that third if it doesn't correct the problems with its writing and its main protagonist. Okay. So, yeah, I might watch another episode just out of curiosity, but I think I'll probably drop this one. I mostly just watched it because of Cora's suggestion. Okay, thanks, Cora. If you want a more in-depth analysis, read his review on the site. Yep. He's up on in other in, Yeah. In terms of other stuff, Cora immediately recommended I watch. Killing beats it killing bites is hot garbage, but I love it. Noise. Be- okay, so what do you know about this series, Dead Man? That it's hot garbage. Yeah. Uh so our male protagonist we we first see is driving a van, which we have just seen. Uh, the four people in the back of the van abduct a high school girl for the purpose of raping her. Uh, but don't worry. Um, once the moment the the main ki- that the said male protagonist stops the he he, he grows a backbone because like he didn't know this was what like his friends called him to drive a truck a, a van not knowing what they intended to do. Uh, but he, it, after driving for a while, he grows enough of a backbone to strut the car and say, you guys should stop this. At which point, said girl comes out with her clothes shredded saying, hey, you need to keep driving. Uh, 
I need to get somewhere. And she's like, uh, what, what happened to the other people? Oh, don't worry, I disemboweled them. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so male protagonist drives her to a wreckage heap in the middle of nowhere where she runs into this state, this uh, fighting ring surrounded by uh, car wrecks, like like wrecks of cars, you know, like a, a dumping site. Yeah. And this guy who's there turns into Leomon. <laughs> like, just straight up Leomon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let me see if I can find a picture of the fight from episode one, just so I can make it clear. This is just Leomon. <laughs> oh. Okay, come on. It's got to show up. Considering how this series is, it's got to show up soon. Because it looks like one of the main protagonists. Oh, come on. Enough with the boobs. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. This is a very boob heavy show. It's all about tits and violence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it turns out the reason that um, the high school girl asked our male lead to drive her to this wreck is because she is what she and Leomon are what are called Therianthropes. Because, um, I was have a random curiosity site. Uh, and Therianthropes are humans just straight up merged with the biology of animals. Okay. And they fight for sport, and and they are gambled on by the heads of the four Zaibatsus, which, and I'm trying to quote the series directly here, were supposedly destroyed after World War II, but have secretly run the Japanese economy ever since. I can't wait to see one of them fight fucking Heihachi Mishima. <sighs> Makes about as much sense. Okay, so I'm just gonna put up the random. Yeah, curiosity I mean, fucking for the hey, first. Heihachi trained Kuma how to fucking fight. Yeah, just okay. So check the he random fight curiosity. A bear person. Check the random curiosity site. The, he's he's in several of the pictures of the fight while I'm talking. Um, uh, so Leo Mon is obviously a half man, half lion person. Uh, the girl in question is half girl, half honey badger. Sure. And why not? And of course, being Honey Badger, she is afraid of nothing because, as the series points out in ridiculous detail, Honey Badgers are known for being the fiercest of of predators of the of smaller size class because they just will immediately attack anything bigger than them instead of being afraid, as most animals naturally would be. Honey Badgers are known for not giving a fuck. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, it gets pretty gory. Uh, she bites Leomon's fingers off before just straight up gutting him using a Pokemon attack. <laughs> and that, that's and that's not a joke. It's like she literally calls it Sulashu. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this sounds yeah. like the dumbest fucking thing, and I love it. Yeah. That was my reaction, too. Uh, so she wins, and considering that this was against an undefeated opponent and she was a complete newbie, uh, she won 100 million yen for this fight. But the only but the reason they had the other guy hang out for this fight and watch is because 
she, for some reason, was created by the Zaibatsus, but is not financially backed by any of them. So she needs a sponsor to bet on her, even if it's nothing, just so she can enter the tournament. And to which, the, I, I guess, if I recall correctly, uh, Leo Mon asked, can he pay for it? It's like, eh, if, he, if, he, if we lose, we'll just sell off his organs for parts. He'll probably be worth enough. <laughs> and yeah, he is just straight up Leo Mon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like no bones about it <laughs> just like just like real buff dude lion head jeans that's Leo Mon. yeah so after the main character after the punny badger lady wins I can't remember her name for the life of me um one of the Zaibatsu guys um starts licking the TV screen that she's on because, you know, horny, creepy old dudes. <laughs> yeah. He wants to give the honey badger some fuck. Yeah. But uh, the next morning, um, our male protagonist wakes up in his apartment with uh, said honey badger lady. Uh, because, as it turns out, um, the boss that she was working for before, who I guess she sees as like a father figure, has basically decided that he will be the public front of the company that backs her in these fights just so he doesn't have to get himself involved. <laughs> so yeah, this random college student is handed a case. Okay, it's like, hey, this is a chunk of your money. Uh, invest in it. And just keep betting it on fights. That's all we really need you to do. Like, like, give her a place to sleep when she's not killing stuff and bet on the fights. That's what we need you to do. And this is said over pancakes at an IHOP. Basically. <laughs> yeah, naturally. That's where most business transactions happen. <laughs> And I am honestly kind of looking forward to how stupid the next episode is. Because even if it's not a bet on fight, um, a girl I'm fairly certain is a, is a half porcupine lady shows up, shows her tits to the male protagonist, and then shoots a spike through his nose. I kind of love the description that Random Curiosity gave this fucking thing. Just, um, to, do you like bouncy boobs, big old booties, and bloody battles? This is that done pretty well. Yeah, and that was like, and that's like, Cora and I were noting this as we looked at other reviews of this. Everyone knows what this is. There's no disagreement on what this is. It's yeah. just whether or not you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's why we were seeing reviews ranging from like three or four out of ten to like seven or eight out of ten. Just entirely depending on, is this your thing? And for me, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the other thing, this is in comparison to stuff like the uh, Devilman Crybaby or, uh, this, what's the other se- um the, the, the series I kept coming back to as I was watching this is this reminds me a lot of a Kame Got Kill. <laughs> but um, it's far more simple than a Kame Got Kill is. It doesn't have the same dumb mindset of this is greater than the sum of its parts. I'm like, no, yeah, it's what Akame, it is. Akame Got Kill had the, like, airs of being, like, an actual fucking thing. Like, this grandiose story with these fucking, like, shifting alliances and, like, fucking the moral high ground and who's actually right and wrong in this situation. And this is just, you know, I want to see dudes fight. You like tits? Yeah. No it, airs, no bones. It's just, this is what we are. Deal with it. Yeah, and I can. 
given the pretentiousness of some exploit exploit very exploitative anime, I kind of respect that. Oh yeah, it's it takes some fucking balls for an artist to actually like sit down and say, "We're making garbage. Let's do this." Yeah. And like in terms of this this series also starts with has um a lot of still frames of the characters but it it clearly has much more style than uh freaking American made him because yeah it tells you it tells it gives you it, it both from its op- its opening theme and like the tone of the images on display it tells you right away what kind of series this is and what kind of people the main characters are so like <laughs> it's got no it's got no bones about what it is and yeah, it'll show like a girl with bear paws straight up fighting Leoman or a half bunny girl doing a cheerleading dance because she's apparently useless in a fight or shit well, yeah, like that. She's a rabbit. She she's not the fucking Monty Python rabbit. <laughs> she's not the rabbit. <laughs> but yeah, um this is trashy garbage and I absolutely love it and I will keep watching it. But Sick. That's entirely up to you if you want to watch it, too. <laughs> Given the things I've talked about on this show before, <laughs> I can honestly say I'm surprised I haven't watched it already. <laughs> you probably just didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I was too busy reading the latest chapter of Dead Tube, where, um, where, two, where a bunch of high school students were trying to figure out how to best murder a man who thinks he's a superhero fucking his sister. No. Okay, so I got two more things. Uh, two, yeah, three more. Two more things to talk about. Uh, quick thing up first. Uh, Card Captor Soccer is back. I'm so glad it's back. <laughs> it's just a straight up sequel to the original series, minus all the bull. Okay, so what do you, did you watch Card Captor Sakura when you were a yes. kid? Okay. Um, now, minus the weird, stupid decisions Fox made regarding its initial release. Uh, Card Captor Sakura holds up a lot better as one of the better clamp TV series because it's mostly just charming, simple, innocent, and fun. And yeah. that's about what this new series, which is just called Card Captor Sakura The Clear Card Arc, is. Like, uh, they're in middle school now, a little time has passed. Uh, Lee Shoran, who went to Hong Kong at the end of the last series, just returns again. Uh, Everything seems to be mostly fine until Sakura has a weird fucking dream where a Final Fantasy villain shows up with a whole bunch of glass cards that tries and that tries to kill her, and she wakes up and finds that her cloud cards have turned into translucent plastic. Okay. Yeah. Then she has another dream where said Final Fantasy villain tries to kill her with said glass until she summons a new uh, card key and... Uh, we then cut to, like, the sky above Tokyo where said Final Fantasy villain appears to be riding, like, I don't know, fucking Rayquaza or something like it. I don't know. <laughs> then so she wakes up with said key. Uh, then a random wind starts trying to kill her. And so she summons the key and captures it. And now one of the cards has become a new card. Okay, so, yeah. then. Like, pretty simple. Like, that's the thing about Card Captor Sakura. Even the original series... It's not that complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's everything you everything you need to know about is in the name. Yeah. And like every and the thing about the original series is once she captured all the cards, she basically just had to like capture all the cards again 
by like becoming master of the cloud. That was like the first two arcs of the series, and this has just found a way to do that over again. Like there was, <laughs> do you watch? Did you watch Jackie Chan Adventures? Yeah. Okay, so at the beginning of season three, uh, Jackie destroys the talismans, and all the powers go back to the animals. And Jade makes this comment, do you, you mean Jackie started the talisman quest all over again? And he's like, oh god, not again. <laughs> That's basically what this feels like. Son of a bitch, Jackie. One more thing. Oh, I miss Jackie Chan Adventures. Even, yeah. if, that was, even if that wasn't Jackie Chan playing Jackie Chan. Yeah, that, that was the weirdest part of that whole thing. <laughs> Jackie Chan shows up live action in the fucking opening, and then some rando is playing Jackie Chan. Yeah. Uh, but it worked out for the most part. But, uh, yeah, and considering that the initial sequel to Cardcaptor Sakura was Subasa Chronicle, I am much happier with this. Because Subasa Chronicle was a stupid, confusing, pretentious-ass mess. Where <laughs> it started with the idea of Sakura losing her memory and her parts of her soul. So Shoran went to reclaim it all, and at some point he's like, yeah, I'm mostly done with that, so I'm just going to go serve the Chinese gods. Because, <laughs> sure. And that's, uh, I don't know how much experience you have with Clamp, Deadman, but in my personal experience with Clamp, whenever they try to do adult stories, they suck at it. Like, not like explicit adult, but like with mature, more older characters. Because that's the other thing. Even now, after time has passed, Sakura's still in middle school. Yeah. So she's only grown up a little bit to the point where... All the innocent scenes. There are scenes that if this featured older characters would be creepy and not just kind of eye-rolling. Like uh, the scene where uh, her friend Tomoyo sneaks behind a tree to start filming uh, Lee and uh, Sakura's reunion as they sort of become lovey-dovey. And to the point where in a series with older characters that would be creepy. Not just played off as like a slapstick joke. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, still charming, still innocent, still well animated as hell. And it's considering that the original series was made in like the mid '90s, the style of the original Card Captor Sakura translates pretty well twenty years later. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder what other classic TV series from the period would translate well, like uh, Angelic Layer. And given the way technology has gone since Angelic Layer was a thing, I was like. Yeah, that really should come back. <laughs> have you have you read or watched Angelic Lair? Nope. Yeah, just just think a clamp take on Metabots. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that was that was that was exactly what I wanted from a Card Capture Soccer sequel. Okay. So yeah, if you're a Card Capture Soccer fan, by all means. But if you haven't at least watched or read the original anime or manga. Avoid at all costs because you'll have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> Okie doke. It is not use. It is not new person friendly. Nope. That does not sound like it. Yeah. Okay. One last thing, and this is the weird one because this is like a heady sci-fi manga. Inherit the stars. Okay. Uh, I knew nothing about this going in. Uh, the premise is weird as hell, but it's like hard sci-fi and not like anime sci-fi. So it was of course going to be weird as hell, but the basic premise is that, um, all conflict on earth has ended because a 
easy to find renewable resource that all people can use freely has been found. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That would totally end all conflict. Naturally. So um, the United States has converted its entire military into uh, space exploration. <laughs> yeah. Sure, Japan. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you keep, keep on dreaming, man. Yeah. And during an, exploration, an, an expedition on the moon, they find a, got, a, they find a corpse in a spacesuit that looks pretty close to human from what they can tell. So they get a team of people onto a, onto a moon, not a, an orbiting uh, satellite to examine the remains. Inclu- and this is another weird thing from the dialogue. Uh, apparently, biology is no longer necessary. That I don't get That's, because of... What? Yeah, like this, like the, the our main character, this Tony Stark looking guy... Who um, says, I can't believe they dug up an old fossil like a cellular biologist for this mission. I'm like, do we not have biology anymore? <laughs> like, it, like, it's 2056 and apparently biology has just ceased to be studied for the most part or something. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know. Once science reaches a certain level, you just stop. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's and uh, so, and there's also, of course, and there's there's got to be some political message with this character. I just don't see what it is. the The most snivelly, weaselly looking dude is a representative from the UN Peacekeeping Committee, and who's immediately mistrustful of all attempts to keep information secret. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, man, WikiLeaks. Patriot yeah. Act, I don't know. Yeah. So, and all we know at the end of the first volume, of the first issue or two, is that this team is attempting to investigate this this um, humanoid uh, astronaut, for lack of a better term, who they date to be about 30,000 years old. Why do they need to do that? Just look at his watch. When it stopped is when he died. We don't need biology. So, the, as far as I can tell... Biology the is the a fucking dead science. It's like fucking yeah. eugenics. So, as far as I can tell, this is going to be a, uh, a... A speculative sci-fi series about questioning humanity's origins on Earth. Oh, boy. <laughs> Mazel tov. I don't know. From previous experiences, both with Western and other and non-Western sources, discussing alternative theories for the origins of man, those tend to go downhill really fast. Prometheus available now on Blu-ray. You know, people love that movie. Apparently, yeah, people used to work for the site. Fucking Trey loves that movie. I don't get it. Neither do I. I. It's it. it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, um, it's well drawn. Uh, the artist for this series has a weird... I don't know if this is a normal tendency. Uh, he doesn't... When he draws hair, he mostly just draws a head and then just kind of sketches hair onto it. Hmm. 
Like, you know how, like, uh, most anime designs, if you were to look at, like, a black and white version of it, you usually see, like, the outline of shaped hair and whatnot on the person. Yeah, hair is a very important part part to an anime character. Yeah, for the most part, aside from, like, women characters who have longer hair, he mostly draws, like, men with short hair and, like, so short that he just has to kind of, like, draw a vague shape of dark tinges on the top of a person's head to show hair. It's kind of a weird artistic choice that I'm not sure I get. Yeah. But I might I might read a couple chapters of this just to figure out if it's worth a damn. Because I love a good hard sci-fi manga, like one that doesn't just go batshit insane. But... I'm always, as a historian and as someone who has studied biology, I am always immediately leery of a science fiction story about questioning the origins of man because it's usually reserved for for nutters who just want to believe that, like, the pyramid was constructed by aliens or something like that. Yeah. You see, humanity came here when some fucking lizard dudes from Venus came down and ejaculated into the fucking primordial soup. Then... 12 billion years later, they came back and shot JFK. I'm telling you, man, yeah. that bullet wasn't magic. It was alien technology. Alien technology that was used to make us, because our god is actually a lizard man. Yeah. I don't so, know why he was southern. I'm going to read it because I'm going to read a little bit more of it because I'm always a fan of a good hard sci fi story. But. Consider my reticence on record. <laughs> okay. And that's it for me. Alrighty then. So, on to me. Um, I read a bunch of fucking Isekai series, but given the fucking glut of those that are coming out and the retarded amount that I'm actually reading, because, you know, I'm a smart boy, <laughs> I've decided right. to mostly not talk about those unless something different enough happens. comes up. Yeah. Uh, a slight aside on that for people who don't know. Um, it, when Cora posted his most recent review from one of the series for this season, uh, Death March into an, the uh, into Another World, uh, my immediate response was, how do you manage to find an absurdly mediocre magical fantasy series every season? Yeah, to which I responded, it's magical. And he's like, no, it isn't. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. So... <sighs> The Isekai series I'll be talking about this week oh, good. is Dungeon Nursery. So, our main guy, his name is Takashi. He is an expert in corporate acquisitions and not a great person. He... See, his entire job is going into a company, forcibly buying that company, and then laying off his entire staff. This sounds a lot like, um, crap, what's the series from last, uh, Tanya of Evil? <laughs> Did you watch or read that? Oh, yeah, I watched a lot. I watched it like for a good bit. It was good. Yeah. First episode was garbage. Well, yeah, because it was the most, what the, this has nothing to do with anything. Why are you doing this? Openings. (laughs) Yeah, and then it revealed the series is about a fucking bet between an asshole and God. Yeah, well, it's, it's literally, um, 
dude calling out God as like, fuck you, I don't believe you exist, when God's like, oh really, then I'll just fuck with your life until you, until you say I exist and worship me. To which every time that has happened, he's like, fuck you, God. <laughs> yeah. Eat my ass, being X. But yeah, anyway, so, onto the series you were talking about. Yeah, so after recently acquiring a business and firing everybody, he stepped outside and slipped on a banana peel and died. Okay, now it sounds like Konosuba. <laughs> yeah, and when he died, uh, he met God, and God's like, all right, so you're going to hell for being a shitty person, but I will give you a chance to earn your way into heaven. You just have to clear a fantasy dungeon. And the and the special power that God gave him in order to do that is summoning. So he so on the first floor he fucking just like all right so I'm summoning something he draws makes a little summoning circle holds his hands out and then something begins to be summoned and the big flash of light fucking bursts away and it is a two year old goblin baby. This a little tiny fucking child could be a boy could be a girl. I'm not hundred percent sure. Because because the goblin is at the age where we're telling a gender is impossible to tell if they have the right length hair and the right kind of clothes. But yeah, so the baby is it's a little goblin thing, which he calls Gobumi, is a tiny little fucker. Just real weak, real shitty, can't do anything. And so it is mostly a gag comedy series about him trying to level up this goblin so he can go to heaven. And the goblin is too shit at everything, but is just so goddamn adorable. And that's kind of it. Like this, I mentioned earlier with the kind with like this with the series like fucking how to how to look after a mummy, or how to take care of mummy, or whatever the fuck it was called. Just this is a series that, as of right now, being only two chapters in. I can see myself reading for another two chapters and then dropping because, yeah, it's cute, but it's not really going anywhere. Yeah. And the and as far as I can tell, going forward with uh, how to how to keep how to keep a mummy, the only thing going forward will be that the main character's collection of friends will all end up with their own pocket versions of mythological creatures. Woot. Like the main, the main, the only female character will end up with a dragon so dopey looking that it makes it. <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna sound weird to, weird to people who have not played Pokemon. It's gonna make Dragonite look like a Mensa graduate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't mean to imply that Dragonite looks like he's not all that well upstairs, but I mean, look at his face. <laughs> Yeah, Dragonite's the kind of guy who if you talk, he'd go, oh, hi. <laughs> hi, guys. I'm Dragonite. Who wants to eat some Tide Pods? Don't they look yummy? Yeah, whereas his previous evolution, Dragonair, is like, dude, for real? <laughs> God damn it, you fucker. <laughs> you piece of shit. How are you so dumb? How are we related? Anyway. Yeah, Dungeon Nursery. Uh, Art-wise, it... I didn't think I'd ever be saying this, but like, it's very rare for me that, like, specific genres... 
like specific subgenres have a have art style so similar. Like usually, even within fucking something like like shonen battle shit, there's enough differentiating in there's enough differentiating them in the art style alone that they are that they're like distinct at least. Even though a lot of them just fucking do the same shit over and over again. Yeah, to the point where, in terms of shonen series, we like to point out we. Like we, even if we don't know their names, we point out uh, series by specific writers or creators because it's like, oh, it's like that guy. So like, um, uh, the guy who created Kenichi, the Mightiest Disciple, is releasing a new manga slash anime soon. I'm like, oh, cool, I like that guy's style. Yeah. But by the same token, a lot of like isekai fantasy manga and anime, I can't tell them apart. (laughs) No, like yeah, they they, like like if. Reading as many as I have, you can you can notice some small some, some small differences, but overall, there are such a fucking tidal wave of isekai stories that all have a similar enough art style that they get very easily jumbled together. Yeah, like as a sign of that, in another one of Cora's reviews, and I haven't watched or read. I've read the series he's talked about, but I haven't watched it. I kind of want to watch it before I talk about it. Um, he said, like, a series that's just, like, a traditional fantasy series is somehow novel in anime because of the glut of isekai shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Grand Crest Seki. Senki. Senkai? Grand Crest Senki, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually started reading that. I started reading that a couple days before the, before the review came out. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Decent characters, fun art, stuff. A world that doesn't really matter? I think it matters, but in the same way. Have you ever played um, a Fire Emblem game? Uh, Yes. It matters in the same way that that does, where, like, the world at large only matters when it comes into the purview of our main characters. Okay. But anyway, uh, so. All I gotta say about about Dungeon Nursery. Just, it is a. Isekai has reached the point of having a gag non-plot fucking story. Like, the big joke in the second chapter is that even with no magical powers and no weapons, no armor, no anything, this fucking office worker is a more powerful goblin than the goblins. Yeah, like, uh, in, in the second chapter, uh... He tries training Gobumi just like to go do more stuff. Um, and I actually looked it up. It's a she. She can't run. She can't do sit-ups. She can't do push-ups or anything. But she's really great at yoga. So they do a bit of training of that. And then they take her back into the dungeon. She goes and attacks somebody. Fucks up. Almost gets killed. And then he comes over. Punches it once and kills it. And so then the rest of the chapter is just him beating the shit out of fucking goblins as Gobumi looks on and is terrified of the fucking dude that she's been traveling with. It's a fine joke in context. It just did. I need a story. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of story, I read all of my love story. The Oriamonogatari series. Yeah, is is it good all the way through? Yes, it is. Okay. It is so fucking good. That fucking fucking big guy is adorable. 
His girlfriend's great. Their best buddy is fucking amazing. I do have to try to read all of that at some point. I've read some of it. I've read enough to like it. It's just not normally my thing. Yeah, I've found myself getting more and more into romance stuff lately. I'm, it's not that I don't... I like the occasional romance thing. It just depends on how strong the story is. So, And if this is a relatively strong one, I might have to go back and try to finish this one if it's all the way done. Yeah, it is all the way done to this 50 chapters. And it goes. like It is a... It is a story. It is like a full story that has beginning, middle, end. I I like stories that aren't just a will they, won't they, but an actual relationship. Yeah, no, the, that's the problem with the vast majority of uh, romance stuff is that, like, at the end of last year, I really liked um, Recovery of an MMO Junkie. Like, it had charming characters. It had a decent idea for a story, but it was just so focused on the will they, won't they that I was like, you're you're ruining the best parts of this story by focusing on the most boring parts. <laughs> yeah, the will they won't they doesn't matter. We don't care whether like we care whether they like the thing with the will they won't they is we, we are care. emotionally invested. We the reason we care about the will they won't they at all is we're emotionally invested in these characters getting together. But a yeah. lot of the times we know it to be such a fact because the the writing is so pointing that way. Yeah, that, it is so predestined that the will they won't they is meaningless. Yeah, and so when it's predestined, but we know that the that when we know the ending, but the vast majority of it is devoted to getting to that obvious ending, we feel kind of let down because we're not getting anything all that interesting out of something we've seen hundreds of times before. Yeah, so going into this and having the will-they-won't-they last a chapter and a half. And the rest of it just be their relationship. That is interesting. And, like, they actually they actually touch on stuff that, like, you would consider for that relationship. Like, whether or not her, like, like the fucking girl whether, worries whether or not her fucking friends will like her boyfriend. Because her boyfriend is him. Yeah, a little, a little unusual. <laughs> Yeah, he fucking goes out and gets a job in order to fucking, like, actually start paying for things in their dates and stuff. And the entire time, his best friend is like, hey, I'll help you plan this shit. Just fucking go do it, man. One, they, they do have a, the relationship does get a bit grating at points because so much of it is just, she will do something that's adorable. And then he will just start screaming, oh, God, I love her. And it gets to a point where the will they, won't they be, will they, will they or won't they kiss before they get married? Because they're fucking virginal Japanese teenagers. Yeah, that eventually gets resolved. Like anytime, anytime something like a series begins to grate on me, they they actually do end up resolving it in a satisfying way, and you get to watch this relationship grow. That even though it, even though they started out like fucking day one, I love you more than anybody in the fucking world. They still had places to go with that. The characters themselves are likable. It has a very unique art style for a fucking shoujo series. In that it has one character who doesn't fit. Like everybody else is what you would expect from a shoujo series. And then there's the main character. Who is what if a gorilla had what if a gorilla had fucking wax lifts? And he's great. Yep. He's likable. 
He is adorable. He is a hell of a lot of fun. So yeah, Ori Monogatari, it's great. Yeah, then speaking of uh, romance stuff, start reading another uh, romance-ish series, uh, Cross Account. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, it's a new series, I think it's 11 chapters deep now. And it is, it is odd. Because it is about a romance that got started through Twitter. Specifically, a troll Twitter account where he just, where the main character just screamed horrible obscenities about people. It's weird how that's becoming a, that I can say there's a series like that that's not a romance series, but just a straight drama. I might have mentioned it to you before. Uh, I think it's called Wave Listen to Me. Because it's about a girl who, a woman who has a terrible day at work, gets drunk, just starts screaming obscenities and angry bitches about her life. And when she wakes up, she has a job as a radio DJ. Oh, yeah, you did tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah, so this, our main character, uh, he is one of the most milquetoast motherfuckers you ever heard of. Oh, goody. (laughs) Like, to the point where he can walk into a classroom full of girls changing clothes for gym class, and all of them will go, oh, it's just that guy. Whatever. Hey, close the door when you leave. Like, the entire class of girls, do, they do that. It, to the point where he's known as Mr. Harmless in his, in his class. Okay. But on Twitter, he is known as Mr. Harmful. Where he just screams just vile shit and everybody fucking loves him because they love angry people. Uh, one day, he gets a message on his uh, Mr. Harmful account from somebody called Mr. Poophead. Who says, hey, I just want to say, I like what you're doing. Your stuff has got me through some hard times. Uh, just like, you know, standard, standard like social media celebrity fanboy shit. Okay. But then they, but then they start becoming friends. And like real friends, like talking pretty much every day, discussing everything about their life. He like turning out like talking about music, talking about just movies and shit, talking about all what all whatever. And it eventually is revealed that that uh, that our main guy, Mister Harmless, he has a, he has had a multi year fucking crush on a film star. And then, surprise, surprise, Mr. Poophead is that film star who in real life is just a fucking horrible otaku asshole. Okay. Yeah, she's, she's like on, on screen, she's like the fucking perfect Japanese actress being, you know, how they are. Just, I'm basically a doll in a dress. Come fucking shake my hand, assholes. I will never do anything okay. that you don't want me to. Okay. I mean, that's not a bad idea for a story. <laughs> yeah. And they're actually moving kind of, along a decent clip. Like, this, like well, I would expect this to go... I would expect this to fucking, like, like, really drag out them actually meeting up, one of them figuring it out, them actually fucking progressing everything. I would expect that to take fucking years. Okay. By the fourth chapter... They've met in person, and she has figured out who he is. 
Okay. Because like, like as they're, as they're talking, uh, doing, you know, whatever, uh, he eventually, he says like, hey, won't, won't be talking for a while. I'm going to go fucking to a handshake event for this fucking lady, which is still the fucking creepiest thing I could think of. Just an event specifically to have weird fat people come shake your hand. Yeah, it it that feels like um how it like celebrities that go to like comic convention appearances they like have certain limitations on like yeah they have to meet with whoever comes up and sees them within reason but they usually don't have to engage with them without some degree of protection. Yeah, hoverhand <laughs> is uh plenty. Yeah. Whereas with Japanese actresses, it is go stand in this thing, and the specific purpose of this event is to touch people. Yeah, and you will do it. Like that—that that, that was the thing that always really weirded me out with uh, like Bakuman, where like, where like because the because the fucking because a uh, psycho's because psycho was fucking dating this girl. Wait, wait, it was was it Psycho? Psycho is Mashiro, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So because Psycho was dating this girl, if anybody found out they were dating, it would cause her popularity to plummet. And like yeah. fucking what? No, there's. I think there's an. It, depending on who, where you're talking about, there is an even more unhealthy. Uh, obsession with starlets and actresses and voice actors in anime otaku culture than there is even in like geek western culture oh yeah it is it's sad and kind of disgusting mm-hmm. but anyway so yeah so he's she goes to this fan thing and she spends the entire time just shaking people's hands and trying to figure out all right which one of you is the guy i'm talking to on twitter And eventually, and eventually meeting him and realizing it and actually taking a step, like doing a bit more for him. Like with everybody else, just like one hand out. How's it going? Just like a fucking robot. Then with him, fucking one hand, like, you know, regular handshake, then another hand clasping the other side and giving like a heartfelt like, yo, thanks for coming. I fucking love your support or whatever. Just like actually doing, giving something for him because she knows. And then in the, and then they just kind of stopped talking for a while because because things happening in his real life ended up making this a love triangle, because of course it did. Then he ends up accidentally falling into a hot springs where she is naked taking a bath, because of course it happens. It's fucking whatever. And she's like making moves that this kid does not understand. Yeah. So it is... It's moving forward. It is doing stuff at a faster pace than I thought it would, and I appreciate that. I'm just wondering how sharply this pace will drop once they get to a certain point, because I feel like it will. It's This seems like the kind of thing where it will get to almost the goal line, or like almost the like line of like him realizing, oh, wait, you're fucking Mr. Poophead. And then just jamming the fucking e-brake so goddamn hard. So that they can stretch this out for another fucking 95 fucking volumes. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. This seems to be moving at a pace that I can appreciate. 
having like real having some actual fucking progress in different relationships and having that somewhat matter. I appreciate that and I want to see this continue in, in this fashion. But I do have my doubts and worries. So moving on to the abandoned sacred beasts. I think I've seen this series. I have not read it. Is this the Civil War t- Civil War one? Uh, no. Well, kind of. Maybe? Yes. Yes? Yes. It, it's the one about um, people who can turn into monsters who were turned into, given the ability to turn into monsters for the sake of fighting in the Civil War. And when yes, the war is. ended, they were abandoned. Yes. Okay, so we're on the same page. All right. Yeah, so that's what the series is. Uh, there was a civil war happening in this country. Um, a group of soldiers uh, volunteered to be turned into monsters. Uh, some of them were, like, a bunch of them were able to, like, keep their fucking psyche intact and to do whatever. But then after the war ended, everybody was like, oh, these fucking monsters are hanging around. Let's get rid of them. And some of them eventually started going insane and had to be put down. Yeah, and so- a lot of them were... And a lot of them were put down by their commanding officer who has decided – who, like, made a pact with everybody that sh- when the war ends, should they lose their humanity, they're going to die. So obvious um, commentary about uh, damaged war veterans and coming back into society aside. Oh, yeah. Th- this is <laughs> – fuck, man. There is there's like one of the early fucking fights against one of these one of these uh, beasts is one of the most over the top kind of PTSD things I think I've ever seen. So one of the soldiers he gets shell shock and is terrified of everything happening. Just like oh god I'm going to go out there I'm going to die everything's going to fucking go horrible all my friends are going to die everything is going to shit. Uh, so the commander, the guy who ends up hunting him, tells him, gives him some advice of like, hey, you got a fucking fortress, man. Or something along those lines. It's been a bit of, it's been a while and I've read a lot of stuff in between there. Okay. But yeah, he gets turned into a minotaur. And after the war is over, he goes into a town, essentially takes it over and builds a fortress, like an actual like labyrinth fortress over this town. So that nobody can cut to him, so that nobody can get to him and hurt him. Yeah, and at the beginning of this, at the beginning of the series, uh, one of the soldiers who was turned into a dragon, uh, he was killed by the commander, and his daughter saw it all. So the dragon's daughter hunts down the guy who killed her, hunts down the guy who killed her dad. And then begins traveling with him so that he can show her this needs to happen. Like these beasts are a legitimate danger. They will all lose their humanity eventually and they need to be dealt with. Then at some point, uh, Dracula shows up and forms a new country made up and made up almost entirely of people who are beasts. Okay. 
You're kind of conflating metaphors there at that point, but all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <yeah>. That's. <clears throat> The book's fine, actually. Like, like yeah, very heavy-handedness aside. The book's pretty fine. Like, the characters ha- so far have been likable. Uh, the, the daughter especially, she has had some... She has had some significant growth over the course of the series. And is becoming a much more confident and, like, decisive character. Okay. Uh, I like the direction they're going with, like, actually having these guys fucking branch off and form their own fucking army because, I mean, like, naturally they would. And, yeah, I'm liking, I'm liking what they're doing so far. Uh, art-wise, it is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, if, if it's, if this is the series I'm thinking of, if I remember just from the covers, I thought the art was very distinct. Oh yeah, the covers are fantastic, and the artwork inside is a bit less than the artwork on the cover, mainly just because it doesn't have the benefit of like coloring and shading. All right, but getting inside, the artwork is still really fucking good. All the all the fucking beasts have a lot of distinct color and flavor to them. Uh, characters themselves are have a lot of energy to them. They are very fun, distinct characters, but for everybody. And yeah, I just, I really liking this. Like, building and world design wise, it's nothing special because there's only so many ways you can do pre industrial revolution kind of thing. Like, it's European inspired pre industrial revolution era fucking building shit. And there's only so many ways you can make that. Yeah. Which is specifically one way. Which is what every fucking fantasy series does because every fantasy series is that in a similar kind of era. But yeah, I I just yeah I'm I'm digging this book. It has been a okay. it's been a good read so far. A lot of emotional beat of emotional beats. Uh, comedy that doesn't feel out of place. Like the comedy they they the the bits where they able to work in comedy, they're able to work it in kind of naturally like it is it doesn't feel forced like there's like a there's once again the audible clunk switching fucking tones and it is a it is a more mature look at this topic than i thought i would get from this series okay back to the abandoned sacred beast it is it is solid moving on final thing Dice, the cube that changes everything. Okay, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> this is a Korean webcomic about a bunch of people fighting over D6s to make themselves better. All at the will of a DM. So... Starting off, um, the way this, the way like the they they view this world is that there is that when you are born, you are like your individual stats, like you know your looks, athleticism, intelligence, stuff like that, that is all determined by dice rolls. You can get any number from one to six. Uh, one being 
real shit. Six being fucking perfect. Our main character, uh, Dong Tae, or Dong Tai, uh, I'm not sure how Korean pronunciation of T A E is. T A E. Um, Dong Tai. Yeah, Dong Tai. Uh, yeah, he is. Our, he's our main character. He got all ones. So he is short, ugly, stupid. Well, I it he, he said he says he he says he got all ones, but he doesn't really like he is like yeah he's short, not 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 great to look at. Average intelligence, like he's not fucking he's not failing high school or anything, but he's not fucking wowing anybody. He is. It seems like he got sounds more like, threes like got mostly, than ones. Yeah, that's what I was to say. It sounds like he got mostly threes, not ones. Yeah. Like ones, it, if one also includes uh, intellect, then one is like, can't even like tie your shoes in the morning. Yeah. One is closer to some world leaders. Cough, cough. Move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, so he's just kind of whatever. Uh, and then there is a person in his in his school, um, uh, Yunji, Yunji, uh, main girl. I'm just gonna call her main girl. Sure. Where, according to him, she has all sixes. She is real pretty. She is real smart. She can sing. She can fucking run good. She is the bestest. And then one day, a new person comes into the school. A guy named Tai Bin. Uh, he okay. ends up getting friends real quick with everybody. Uh, Dong Tai, who is a gopher, uh, ends up talking to him a bit, and he drops a dice. A D6. A blue translucent D6. Which Dong Tai ends up rolling. It then turns red, and he gets a message on his phone saying, you are now a dicer. Which is this weird secret society of people that, at the will of a of a GM named X, who talks to them through their smartphones, they go out and complete quests. Quests that can be anything as simple from telling a person you like them or complimenting somebody to breaking into a school and setting it on fire. Okay. Yeah, and so when you complete those quests, you get dice. You can then roll those dice and use whatever you and use those uh, fucking like cash dice to improve anything about yourself. You can make yourself more handsome. You can make yourself fucking better at sports. You can make yourself smarter. You can make yourself thinner. You can make yourself taller. And that's what Dong Tai does. He gets he gets the first dice, gets these quests, and then makes himself a pretty boy. Who is like who's like just really fucking cool about everything. Uh and then through his own supposed act of kindness, he sets off a chain of events that leads to his entire school becoming a fucking battleground with mafia families. Okay, this sounds like it went completely off the rails. <laughs> Here's the thing though, it kind of didn't. Cause All right. it makes sense. Using this world's internal logic and how most writers view humanity. Well, okay. Most writers of this kind of story. <laughs> yeah. Like like how it is, is he sees a person who is like if you him. you write this kind of story, you hate people. <laughs> no, he doesn't even – I don't think he even hates people. Like most – like there are – like there are yeah, a bunch of people in the story who are just jackasses. 
and for no good reason. But there are also like multiple characters who are just like good people. Like usually there's one. There's one person who the entire story is trying to beat into the head that who, who, like the point of the story is to try to beat into this one person's head that the way he looks at the world is naive and fucked up. But with this, there are multiple people who actually agree with how he how he thinks and help him do things. And characters who don't necessarily agree with how he's doing things, but are like still out there trying to do good in the way that they perceive good. But the vast majority are dicks. So, so how things go from just find a cluster, clusterfuck is up till up till the point where uh, Dong Tai does what he does. Uh, dice are kept a very closely guarded secret. Like when somebody, like when somebody like gives you a dice, or if somebody like decides, hey, you're gonna be a dicer and wants to help you out. You usually kept pretty close to them, and things are kept on the low. Like, they don't want this shit spreading out there, because if it does, then it's chaos. Like, if people fuck, if people found out that if you, it, like there's this one simple thing that you can get from fucking magic that will make you the best possible version of yourself, that would become a nightmare. Yeah. And, and that's it, what happens. It's reached, it, yeah, it's crossed the red line. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happens. Uh, Dong Tai gives a dice to a guy who used who is in the position he used to be in. He used to be a gopher who just getting beat up by assholes because he was not as good looking. He was not as strong, not as smart. They just they just were beating the shit out of this kid. So Dong Tai saves him and gives him a dice. That kid then obsessively. With the fucking, with like the fucking vim and vigor that only a dude who spends all of his hours playing video games and masturbating can. Goes out and collects just a fucking ass load of dice. To the point that he gives himself superpowers. He then accidentally kills himself. And in doing so spills out hundreds upon hundreds of dice into the middle of the school courtyard. Then the entire school becomes dicers. Or at the very least, like half the school becomes dicers. So everybody who is a dicer is now going out trying to get dice. And everybody who is not a dicer is trying to fucking get good with one of these fucking groups of people. That have been that have like set up their own little clans. Okay, and so they've become gang lords, basically the guys who have the most dice. Essentially, <laughs> and that leads into where the story was actually going the entire time, which is a dice war. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once pe- once enough people get enough dice, um, people start becoming a rankers. Like, B-rankers are just, hey, we have dice, and we've used them to alter ourselves in, like, small or significant ways, but we are still pretty much human. Then the A-rankers come out, who have... Like A-rank, you're, you're full-on superpowered. Yeah, you get one of six superpowers. Yeah, it is um, stopping time, flying, turning invisible, telekinesis... They call it clairvoyance, but it's essentially having like a HUD. 
or like an inspectability. So you can just like look at something and see, all right, it has like this many hit points or whatever, and it does this, does that, whatever. And then there is uh, teleportation. Okay. You have these abilities, and you can use the dice you haven't spent on like attributes yet to power these abilities. Once there are enough people who have superpowers, then the rules of the game change. And X changes it so that instead of have instead of uh, like once you like up till now, once you have your dice, they are your dice. Then once there are enough A rankers, they things start change. fighting over dice. Yeah, you you can then attack somebody and if you and if you hit them right, then all the then like a chunk of the dice that they've spent on their attributes or whatever come flying out of them and you can take them. Okay. Then it becomes a battle between the A rankers to try to attack other A rankers and steal their powers until you have all six powers. Then you get a chance to become God. Okay. And that has been where the story has been building up to since the beginning of it. Like this doesn't like this doesn't seem like something they just kind of pulled out of their ass. It seems like something that they that the writer very much planned to happen from the beginning. Which, given the amount of times the story has changed up what it actually is about, is kind of impressive to me. Like, what, yeah, what, well, like as I was describing we, it to you, I kind of got the feeling from you that like you were kind of like me, like talking about it, where it was just like the this, or just it seems like he was just kind of going wherever he wanted to, do and not really having a lot of cohesion between what he was telling in the story. Okay, I mean, I thought that at first. And as you explained it, I started to get it. I just started caring less. And that's actually entirely fair. <laughs> like, I've been reading the series, and I am, like, a hundred and something chapters in. I'm almost caught up. And I'm not 100% sure what's kept me going. See, the problem is when you explained where this series was going when it stopped being incoherent, I discovered, oh, this is going to end one of two or three different ways, none of which I like because I've seen them all before and I never liked it when it was done before. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but I, I'm, I've been liking it so far. Uh, yeah, it, like I said, like I said at the top of this, it's totally fine. It is... It is a well. I, I'm not, like nothing I've heard sounds like it's terrible. It's just it's not my thing, even the tiniest yeah. bit. Yeah, that's fair. But I found myself strangely being engrossed by this, and I'm not 100 percent certain why. Like I like the characters, I like the story stuff. It's just nothing has been like super standing out as being like amazing or fantastic or whatever. It's just all been on a level of this is good enough that I can keep reading it. Uh, The thing that probably keeps it down the most, though, is the artwork because it is a because it is a Korean webtoon comic. So not that much effort into the art most of the time. Uh, There is effort, just not a whole lot of skill. Okay, fair enough. Character-wise, that's very the character design is very bland. Uh, they faces sometimes look real fucking weird. Uh, of of the Korean of the Korean webtoon art, this is one of the better ones, but it's still not but it's still not spectacular. 
or even or even like that great. It's just it's fine. Yeah, that's, I guess it's the banner for the entire series. It's fine. Okay. All right then. Does not we're watching then? On to news. So, previous news this week. First up, Amazon has announced that it will be shutting down its anime strike service. Yep. Like, I get... I will say this. Stuff that came out of the anime, stri- anime strike thing that is worth mentioning is that um, it caused improvements in both Amazon Prime's uh, video streaming service and in Crunchyroll. So something good came out of anime strike, even if the overall concept of anime strike was overly flawed and poorly planned out. <laughs> yeah. So, for those who don't know... Anime Strike was a was a double sub- paywall. Yeah, it was a subscription service for Amazon that was an add-on to their regular Amazon Prime video service. Yeah, you had to pay a certain amount to have Amazon Prime anyway, but then you had to pay more per month to have access to a specific channel of anime, which yeah. I can see why they did that considering channels like Hulu are doing stuff like Stars Extra or uh, Showtime Extra, so it kind of makes sense. But I don't, I just, I don't think there's enough of anime because it's split across too many different platforms. Like yeah. if you could get all anime and Anime Strike, it might be worth it. But no, you can get a whole lot more shit from places that you don't have to pay twice to get. Yeah. Or you don't have to pay at all if you're fucking bankrupt, both morally and financially. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the series launched uh, January of last year, and a spokesperson for Amazon confirmed to Forbes that every that all the content on Anime Strike, as well as on Hira, a second paywall anime Amazon channel for Bollywood content, would just all be available on Prime Video. Yep. And there's some series from last year that I wanted to watch that I couldn't because it was on Anime Strike. So I might have to watch those now for the site now that once we get done with most of the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Uh, moving on. Uh, Tiger and Bunny is getting a new anime project. Cool. I really like Tiger and Bunny. Yeah. Didn't get a chance to finish it, it, it and it, I can't it, find it fucking anywhere. Yeah. It... It may, well. It what's fun, what I love about Tiger and Bunny is that it manages to pay for itself by making fun of how it pays for itself. Oh yeah, that is fucking ingenious. <laughs> I'm also surprised that Ustream has the pockets to fund anything. <laughs> yeah. So the official Twitter account for Sunrise, uh, it announced uh, just in the last couple weeks that a new anime pro- that a new anime series project has launched for Tiger and Bunny. Uh, the official website will be announcing uh, more more details at a later date. And yeah, I'm fucking down for this. Yeah, me too. Even the movies they they that didn't really add all that much were good. So I'm totally up for more Tiger and Bunny. Yeah. And then moving on, <laughs> top piece news. Uh, so in the February issue of the Katakawa Magazine New Type, uh, it was announced that a upcoming anime film. That there, that there is an upcoming anime film based on the saga of Tanya the Evil. Yeah, I heard about that. I'm like, 
Okay. Oh, yeah. I know it's a, like it's a sequel to everything that happened in the mo- in the current TV series, so it's not pointless. But yeah, like, that's kind of the big thing about this is that it is why? it is just a straight up sequel. <laughs> it will not be a compilation or recap thing, which is usually what anime films are. Yeah, and I don't necessarily hate the concept of them because uh, um, Madoka Magica made two compilation films for the sake of paying for a third actual sequel film. So I don't necessarily hate the concept of it. It's just I'm I would prefer more original content and less just clip shows. Yeah, that's what this is. So fucking huzzah! Yeah, that's gonna do for that's gonna do for this for the news and I guess for this week. So that was fun. My throat really hurts. Yeah, we've been at this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the DeathStoreProds.com Anime Manga Podcast. In between now and then, though, we got shit coming out. I don't fucking know. Feel that I'm dead. Now, Birdie. We will. See you guys next time. <laughs>